all you have. You are now tuned in to Marcus Reyes. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Far, Far Away family? How is everyone doing today? Everybody doing good? I'm not just asking. I really want to know. Send us an email at sway.audio at gmail.com or give us a call at 816-866-1311. Leave us a message. Tell us what you think of the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Your message might just get played on the season finale. Plus, we want to get to know our listeners a little bit better. Always want to know a little bit more about the other Star Wars fans in the galaxy. So hit us up. So it's just a few days away from Christmas, and we want to wish everyone that celebrates a Merry Christmas. For those that celebrate other holidays, Merry whatever that holiday is. And if you don't celebrate anything, hope you have a great Saturday. Okay, real quick, we want to remind everyone that we are coming up on the Season 4 finale, and that means giveaway time. So all you have to do to enter is drop us an email telling us what you think of the show. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. All emails are automatically entered into a randomizer before we ever even see them. That way we can get everyone's true feelings of the show. We want people to be honest with their opinions. If you go back and listen to some of the other giveaway episodes, you will see the people that have talked really bad about us and have still have won a prize. So don't be afraid to be honest. Okay, so what else do we got? Oh, make sure that you are checking out Lightsaber Radio. That way you can interact with me and the rest of the crew on YouTube. That's the best thing about doing a live show. We get to interact with you in the chat. Okay, enough with all that stuff. I think that we need to get back to Bane. Because when we left off last week, Bane only had a day or two to live at most. And Khalid wasn't going to help heal him. Leaving poor Xana with no idea what she was going to do to save her master. So let's see what's going to happen next. Fuming, Xana stomped her way across the sand between Khalid's shack and the edge of the camp, where her master lay in the hover gurney. She checked the monitor attached to the gurney's side, getting a reading of his vitals. He was still alive, but fading fast. Soon, he would be gone, taking all his knowledge and secrets with him. She was standing over the gurney when Darabit emerged from the shack several minutes later. He crossed the camp to stand beside her, gazing down at Bane. When he goes, he said, offering his cousin words of condolence. At least he'll go peacefully. Peace is a lie! Xana snarled back. It doesn't matter if you die in your sleep or on the battlefield. Dead is still dead. At least he's not feeling any pain, Darvet replied, tossing out another meaningless platitude. If you feel pain, she answered, it means you're still alive. Give me pain over peace any day. I never thought I'd hear you say that, Xana, Darvet said sadly, shaking his head. Can't you see what he's made you become? He made me become a Sith, she thought. Out loud, she said. He made me strong. He gave me power. Is that all you care about now, Xana? Power? Through power, I gain victory, and through victory, my chains are broken. Power doesn't always bring victory, Darvid countered. Even with all the power you have, you couldn't make Kaleeb help you. Bane would have found a way. She thought bitterly, but didn't say anything. I understand what happened to you, her cousin said, placing a comforting hand on her shoulder. You were just a kid, scared, alone. Bane found you and took you in. I understand your loyalty to him. I understand why you care about him. Xana shook his hand off and turned to stare at him with an expression of wide-eyed disbelief. I'm a Sith, 
I don't care about anyone but myself. You care about me. Xana didn't reply, refusing to be drawn again into the same argument they'd had on the way to Tycon. You don't want to admit it, Garrett pressed, but I know you care about me. And about your master, too. Your actions prove that, no matter what you say. But Kaleeb's right, you know. Bane's a monster. We can't let him go free. But he doesn't necessarily have to die, he added. What do you mean? Zana said suddenly wary. I spoke with Kaleeb. He thinks you're a monster too, but he doesn't know you like I do. You're not a monster, Zana. But you'll become one if you let anger and hate rule your life. Now you sound like the Jedi, she said carefully. Darabit was clearly up to something, but she couldn't figure out what it was. I'm starting to realize they're better than the alternative, he admitted. I know what's going to happen, Zana. If Bane dies, you'll kill Kaleeb. She hesitated, then nodded. Probably. There was no point in lying. You're balanced on the precipice, her cousin warned her. His voice suddenly urgent and intense. You can still turn back from this life, Xana, but if Bane dies, I know your desire to avenge him will drive you to murder Kaleeb. And I'm afraid your master's death will push you over the edge. It'll turn you into him. I don't want you to turn into him, he added more softly, nodding down at Bane's motionless form on the gurney. I have to save you from yourself. I had to find some way to stop you from killing Kaleeb. So I convinced him to heal Bane. It's the only way to make you turn away from the teachings of the Sith. That, that makes no sense, Xana said, her mind reeling as she tried to wrap her head around his logic. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. If Bane lives, he'll never let me abandon my studies. And why would I even want to? She added silently. Before Kaleeb will help, her cousin explained, you have to dispatch one of the Loranda's message drones. You have to tell the Jedi where we are so they can come and arrest Bane. What? Xana shouted, taking a half step away from him. That's crazy! No, it's not! He said, grabbing her by the arm with his good hand and pulling her back to face him. Please, Xana, just listen to me. If you send that message to the Jedi and hand Bane over to them, it will prove you're turning your back on the ways of the Sith. It will show you want to make up for all the pain and suffering you've caused. And it's the only way Kaleeb will agree to heal him. He added a second later, letting go of her arm. You saw what Bane can do, she said. What's to stop him from killing the Jedi when they get here? The obelisk toxin is melting Bane's body from the inside. Even with Kaleeb's help, it will be weeks, maybe months, before he can even get out of bed. So what's to stop me from just taking Bane away as soon as he's healed? 
Your greatest weapon is secrecy. The Jedi think your order is extinct. They won't waste their time chasing shadows every time someone whispers the word Sith. That's the only reason you've been able to survive so far. But once you send off the message drone, everything changes. They'll know the Sith still exist. They'll have the proof they need to drive them to action. Every Jedi Knight and Jedi Master across a million worlds will be searching for you. The Sith won't be able to hide anymore. Xana knew he was right. It was the very reason Bane had worked so hard to keep their existence nothing more than an unfounded rumor. Besides, Daravid added, Kaleeb won't do anything unless we disable the ship first. If you try to run, you'll have to drag Bane out into the desert on foot. Even if he survived the trip, you wouldn't get very far before the Jedi arrived. Sounds like the healer doesn't trust me. Xana mumbled darkly. You did almost kill him, her cousin pointed out. If I hand him over to the Jedi, she wondered aloud, what happens to me? I don't know, the young man admitted. The Jedi might arrest you too, but I'm hoping they'll recognize your actions as a turning point in your life. Maybe they'll see it as an attempt to make amends. Maybe they'll even take you in, he suggested. I've heard the Jedi believe in the power of redemption. And like I said, it's better than the alternative. What about you? She asked. What will you do? I won't be part of this if you choose to kill Kaleeb and let Bane die, he told her. But I don't think you will. How can you be so sure? I've told you, Xana. We share a bond. I can tell what you're thinking, what you're feeling. You're afraid of being alone? But you're not alone. Not anymore. You'll make the right choice. And when you do, I'll be there for you. She weighed the offer carefully, chewing on her lips so hard her teeth drew blood. If she refused, Bane was dead, and she'd have to continue the Sith Order on her own. Kill Kaleem, find an apprentice, probably kill Daravid too. If she agreed, she had to betray her master to the Jedi, which would mark the end of the Sith and the first step in her long road of redemption and atonement. Bane's time is running out, her cousin prodded. You have to decide. The two paths loomed large before her. Alone into the darkness, or into the light with Daravid at her side. She spun the problem over and over in her mind until finally, the answer came to her. Tell Khalid I agree to his demands. Okay, this part starts off with Xana having to make a big decision. Turn her master over to the Jedi or let him die and kill Khalid and her cousin. If she goes with the latter, then she will have to flee Ambria start the Sith Order all over again, find a new apprentice, all of Bane's knowledge will be gone, everything that he had been planning and already started will be lost, so it's just a whole bunch of redos. Derivate believes this is her only way to redemption, the way that she can turn from the dark side. He tells her that they have a bond as cousins, and he knows what she is thinking. 
I don't understand why people think that they can turn people back from the dark side. I know it's happened before. Revan and Vader was turned back. But you got to remember with Vader, it was the love that he had inside of him and his parental instinct to protect his child. With Revan, he didn't turn to the dark side willingly. The Emperor scrambled his brain that turned him to the dark side. And the Jedi had to wipe his memory to get him to come back to the light. I don't see any of those things working with Xana. She craves power above everything. It is the most important thing in the galaxy to her. So does she give up and move into the unknown, or does she kill everyone? Well, it looks like she's taking the path of the light, because she agrees to Caleb's demand. Now let's see what's going to happen next. Bane opened his eyes slowly. His lids felt heavy, weighed down, as if they were lined with metal filings. He could feel them brushing over his pupils, rubbing like sandpaper as he blinked against the harsh light streaming down on him. The brightness made him squint again as he tried to sit up. His body refused to move. Legs, arms, and torso ignored the impulses from his brain to rise. Even his head couldn't budge. There was sensation in his extremities. He could tell he was lying on his back, and he could feel the rough grain of a burlap sheet or a coarsely woven cloth against his skin. But he was paralyzed, unable to move. He let his eyes flicker open once more, and the brightness began to fade as his pupils gradually contracted. He was staring up at a low, sloping ceiling of simple wooden planks. A ray of sunlight beamed through a narrow crack in the wood, shining directly on his face. Groaning, he managed to turn his head to the side so the light no longer hit his eyes. The change of angle also gave him a better view of the room he was in. Small, plain, and strangely familiar. Before he could match the setting to any of his memories, a figure stepped into his line of sight. From the fact that he was staring directly into a pair of worn leather boots, Bane deduced that he was lying on the floor. The figure stood over him for a moment, then crouched down to look him in the eye. The face, ten years older but unmistakable, jogged the Dark Lord's memory. He had lain on this very floor over a decade earlier, on the border between life and death, even as he lay now. Kaleeb, he tried to say, but the only sound that came out was a soft groan. Like the rest of his body, his lips, tongue, and jaw refused to move. They tried to call upon the power of the dark side to grant him strength, but his will was as weak and helpless as the rest of him. He's awake! Kaleeb called out loudly, never taking his eyes off his patient. From outside, Bane heard the sound of approaching footsteps. He tried to speak again, pouring all his strength into a single word. Kaleeb. His voice was a faint whisper, but this time, the word was clear. The healer didn't bother to respond. Instead, he stood up, leaving Bane staring at his boots once more. Bane heard the dull thud of running footsteps on the sand outside change to the sharp clack of boot heels on the shack's wooden floor. Let me see him. He recognized the voice of his apprentice, and his mind slowly began to reassemble the pieces of what had happened. He remembered the battle with the Jedi on Tython. He remembered unleashing a storm of Force Lightning at the last of his foes. He remembered the criffing shield the Ithorian Master had thrown up around him. After that, all his memories were of unbearable pain. Somehow, the Jedi's barrier had trapped Bane inside the center of the dark side storm. 
The electricity had enveloped him, millions of volts arcing through his body, cooking his flesh from the inside, and throwing his muscles into an endless series of violent seizures that threatened to rip his body apart. The energy had coursed through the orbalisks embedded in his skin, too. The creatures absorbed the power, hungrily devouring it, until they became so engorged that the soft, pliant flesh of their underbellies had begun to swell. Squeezed ever tighter against the unyielding chitin of their own exterior shells, they'd begun to burrow deeper into Bane. He remembered screaming as thousands of tiny teeth started sawing away at subcutaneous tissue, chewing through muscles, tendons, and even bone. But burrowing deeper hadn't stopped the creatures from feasting on the electricity coursing through Bane's frying innards. They'd continued to expand until they had begun to pop, rupturing like overfilled balloons pinched beneath the hard shells. Bane had stayed conscious through the torture of the electricity cooking him alive, and the agony of the teeth burrowing into his flesh. But the indescribable pain from the chemicals released by the exploding orbalisks, dissolving his body on a cellular level, finally caused him to black out, only to wake up here. A pair of boots stepped in beside Kalib's, the smaller feet of a woman, most likely Zana. He's trying to speak, Kalib said from up above Bane's line of sight. He tried to tilt his head again, this time managing to look up toward the pair standing over him. Zana noticed and crouched down to raise his head and shoulders. She slid a makeshift pillow formed by her balled-up cloak underneath his neck to support him. He felt her long, thin fingers on his back as she did so. The contact brought a realization crashing down on Bane. The orbalisks were gone. That was why he had felt the coarse blankets against his bare skin. That was why he could feel Xana's fingers pressing against his flesh. Orbalisks! He managed to gasp. We had to remove them. His apprentice informed him. They were killing you. Bane felt the world going dim again, his body exhausted by the two words he'd spoken. As he lost consciousness, he felt a pang of regret for what he had lost. Okay, this part starts off with Bane waking up, him seeing Kaleeb and remembering what had happened. And the description that was given sounds like the most painful thing ever. The orbital is gorging themselves on the electricity. It was bouncing around inside the force bubble, but it was too much for them to take. So they sought refuge inside of his body. They tried to burrow inside of Bane's body. It said he could feel their teeth grinding at his bones. Then he felt like pin-filled balloons, and that's when the poison was released. This is when he collapsed from the pain, and that was the last thing that he remembered. That had to be the worst thing you could ever endure in life, the most painful thing ever. I can't imagine anything more painful than that. Bane tried to look up at Khalid. This is when Xana entered the room, but he was having trouble moving. This is when Xana reaches down and props his head up. When she puts her fingers on his back to lift him, he felt them against his skin. This is when he realized the orbalists were gone, and he felt as if his world had came crashing down. Then he just blacks out. To Zana's untrained eye, her master looked much stronger when he opened his eyes again two days later. This time, he was able to turn his head slowly from side to side, taking in the surroundings of Khalif's home and the nearby presence of his apprentice. What happened? He asked. The words were faint, his voice still raw and ragged. 
Khalib healed you, she told him, adjusting the pillows she had taken from the Loranda and placed under his head and shoulders to prop him up. He saved your life. Four days ago, such a statement would have been hard to imagine. Khalib had watched Xana program the message drone and send it off to the Jedi, then warned her there was a strong chance Bane wouldn't survive the treatment. She thought at first it might be a ploy, an excuse Khalib was giving to cover up his actions if he decided to let her master die, or simply killed him. So she'd kept a close eye on the healer during Bane's treatment even though she knew there were a hundred ways he could end Bane's life without her having any clue as to what he was doing. Xana hoped her presence might dissuade him from trying anything underhanded. Now she realized how pointless her vigil had been. Khalib was a man of his word. He was burdened and bound by foolish notions like honor. He had promised to help Bane as long as she alerted the Jedi. And since she had held up her end of the bargain, he had made every effort to do the same. Xana had originally suggested moving Bane back to the Loranda's medical bay for the treatments, but Khalib had refused. He'd claimed the powerful energies coursing through the land around his camp gave strength to his medicine. Daravid had agreed, and Xana, having felt the power of the place herself, had relented. The healer had started by forcing a foul-smelling liquid he had concocted in his cooking pot down Bane's throat to counter the effects of the orbalisk toxins. Darvid had warned her that the poison was killing Bane, eating away at his body. But it was only when they began to peel away the orbalisks, beginning with the charred shells of those that had died, that Xana understood the full scope of how badly her master had suffered. What lay beneath could no longer be called skin. It couldn't even be properly called flesh. A pulpy mass of green and black ichors released by the parasitic organisms, mixed with oozing white pus and bloody red tissue from Bane's own body. Looking at the damage, it was obvious, even to someone like Xana, with no medical experience, that the only thing keeping Bane alive was his power in the Force. His wounds gave off the gangrenous odor of spoiled meat, and it was all she could do not to vomit. The next step involved removing the still-living orbalisks. The key, as Xana had suspected, was electricity. Khalib had brewed a sticky, highly conductive gel over his fire, then used it to coat the exterior shell of each orbalisk. Next, he took a long, thin needle attached to a power cell salvaged from the Loranda and inserted it into a tiny hole at the very tip of the orbalisk's plated skull. The needle pierced the soft body underneath, discharging a powerful electrical jolt to stun the creature. This caused the orbalisk to release a small burst of solvent chemicals that weakened the powerful adhesive the creature used to bond itself to the host. With the adhesive bond weakened, the creature could be manually pried loose. The still-stunned parasites were then tossed into a large water-filled tank, hooked up to one of the Loranda's power cells, and killed with a final dose of electricity. The process had to be carefully repeated for each individual in the colony that had sprouted over Bane's body. And even with both Daravid and Khalib working on him, the procedure had taken several hours. The flesh beneath the living orbalisks was pale and ragged, with deep weeping sores where it had been constantly chewed and gnawed by the parasite's tiny teeth. The wounds looked minor when compared with the grisly mess beneath the dead shells. 
Once Bane was cleansed of the infestation, Kalib had rubbed a salve over his entire body and wrapped him head to toe in bandages. The dressings had been changed every four hours for the first two days. The salve reapplied each time. Xana was impressed with Kalib's skill. Bane had been little more than a mass of dead and infected tissue when the healer had begun. And by the time the bandages came off for good, Bane's ravaged body had been reborn. His skin was now a bright pink, unusually supple and extremely sensitive, though over the coming weeks, she'd been told it would slowly return to a more normal color and texture. Kalib saved me, Bane muttered softly. How did you convince him? Xana hesitated, not sure what to tell him. Daravid and Kalib were just outside the door. They could walk in at any moment. But even if they caught her telling Bane about the message drone, why would they care? The deed was done. Her master was still too weak to stand. And by now, the Jedi were probably less than a day away from Ambria. We had to tell the Jedi you were here. I sent a message telling them a Sith Lord had killed five Jedi on Tython. I told them you were with Kalib on Ambria, injured and helpless. They're coming for you. Anger flashed through Bane's eyes, and he tried to sit up, but only managed to raise his head a few centimeters off the pillow, before falling back. Realizing he was helpless, her master stared at her with accusing eyes. You exposed me, he said. You betrayed me. I had to keep you alive she explained, falling back on the argument she had used to make her final decision. You still have so much to teach me. How can that happen now? He demanded angrily. The Jedi will never allow it. Xana didn't have an answer she could give him. Bane closed his eyes, though whether in defeat or thought she couldn't say. She could just make out Darvid and Kalib talking in low voices outside by the fire. Bane's eyes opened a few seconds later, burning with a fierce intensity. Darth Zana, you are my apprentice, the heir to my legacy. You can still claim the destiny that is yours by right. You can still ascend to the rank of Sith Master. He was speaking louder now, his strength slowly returning. Zana wondered if the men outside could hear him. Take your lightsaber and strike me down. Claim my title as your own. Slay the others and flee this place before the Jedi arrive. Seek out a new apprentice. Keep our order alive. Xana shook her head. Kalib had already considered the possibility and effectively eliminated it. Our ship is disabled and the Jedi will be here in a matter of hours. Even if I flee into the desert, they will find me before I can escape this world. I never thought you would fail me so utterly, Bane told her, turning his head away from her in disgust. I never thought you would be the one to destroy the Sith. She didn't say anything in her defense. And a few seconds later, Bane turned back to face her once more, casting his eyes to the lightsaber on her belt. I don't want to live as a prisoner to the Jedi, he said his voice low, as if he now knew there were others who might overhear. You can end this before they arrive. Xana shook her head. She hadn't gone to all the trouble of saving her master's life just to kill him now. 
While you live, there is still hope, Bane, she said quietly, worried what Darabin or Kaleeb would think if they heard her words. Yet she had to offer some type of reassurance to her master. The Sith may yet rise again. Bane shook his head, though it took a monumental effort. The Jedi will never allow me to escape. They will sense my power and keep me under the constant guard of a dozen Jedi Knights until the Senate decides to execute me for my crimes. Kill me now and deny them their justice. Xana had spent the past two days by Bane's side, waiting for him to wake again. It had been clear he would live, but she'd wanted to speak with her master to be certain his mind was still intact. She'd wanted proof that all his faculties, his intelligence, his cunning, had survived his ordeal. She had it now, ironically expressed, in his desire to die. A Sith never surrenders, Master, she told him. And only a fool fights a battle that cannot possibly be won, he answered sharply. The Jedi will be here soon. Act now! Strike me down! She shook her head. Her master tried to rise, his fury giving him the strength to sit halfway up. And then he collapsed back onto the pillow, utterly exhausted. As her master slipped once more into unconsciousness, Xana realized he was right. The Jedi were coming, and if she didn't act now, it would be too late. She stood up and drew her lightsaber, knowing the hum of its blade would alert the two men outside. She didn't care. By the time they realized what she was doing, it would be too late. Okay, this part begins with Bane waking up again. He's a little stronger. He can't get up or anything like that, but he can move his head side to side, and he can speak a little bit better. He asks Xana what happened. Then it goes into Xana reminiscing on the prior days, how Kaleeb had healed Bane, and how she thought he might try to do something to end Bane's life. Then realizing that this man was a man of his work. Kaleeb had given Bane a concoction to counteract the poison. Then they started peeling away the shells of the Orbalist. The dead ones went first. Xana seen what they had been doing to her master. His skin wasn't even skin anymore. And she knew the only thing keeping him alive was the Force. Now I'm not going to recap the whole removing the living ones. Because the first time hearing this, it gave me the eebie-jeebies. So I'm not going to describe it again. But they had to use electricity to remove them. And it took several hours to get them off. Once they were all removed, Khalid put a medicine all over Bane. Then he bandaged them from head to toe. After several days of repeating this process, Bane started looking normal again. Okay, here is the problem with this. Not the healing part. But how long does it take for a message to get to the Jedi? And why is it taking so long for the Jedi to get to Ambry? I'm just saying, it's been like a week. Anyway, Bane asked Xana how she persuaded Kaleeb to heal him. Xana told Bane the truth about the Jedi. She knew he couldn't do anything because he was still too weak to move. Bane says to Xana that she had betrayed him. Then he asked her to strike him down and take the mantle of the Dark Lord of the Sith. Then fly away and start over. She told him that Kaleeb had made sure that that couldn't happen. Their ship was disabled and the Jedi would be there in a few hours. So there is nowhere that she can run at this point. Bane tells her that he is disappointed in her. Now this is where things get a bit crazy. Bane tells her to kill him and rob the Jedi of their justice. But this whole time, Xana was waiting to see if Bane's mind was intact. 
Now she had her answer. And that's where this part came to an end. Xana's standing over Bane, holding her lightsaber in her hand. And we won't know if she strikes him down until the next week. The anticipation of not knowing is going to drive me mad. I want to know what's going to happen. Okay, I know she's not going to kill him. There's a whole nother book in the trilogy. But I want to know what's going to happen next. Okay, okay, let me calm down. We still have the quote for this week. So let's focus on that first. And this week's quote comes to us from Joanne Myro. She said, the work must be conceived with fire in your soul, but executed with clinical coolness. This is a very powerful state. If you want to achieve something, you must put your goal on a pedestal. Nothing can come before the goal. All your actions, time, and passion is focused on that goal. The rest of your life has to be scheduled around that goal. That's the only way that your goal will be achieved. But at the same time, you must not be giddy. You must keep a cool head and stay focused. Do not allow your passion to burn so bright that you lose sight of what you are working for. Basically, the fire is your passion to achieve the goal. The coolness is being smart and wise to how you achieve the goal. Okay, that's all I have for today. Join us next week for part 24 of Darth Bane Rule of Two. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.